Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cosmic Conversations. This podcast is dedicated to spiritual growth and cosmic exploration. I'm your host, Sheila Seppi, and you're watching us on the Conscious Awakening Network. If you haven't already signed up to be on our mailing list, please do so at theconsciousawakeningnetwork.org, or you can catch our replays on the Conscious Awakening Network YouTube channel, or your favorite downloadable podcast locations such as Spotify, Google, Android, etc., or on our television platforms on Roku, Amazon, Apple TV, and Android TV. But for that, you have to download the apps first. And while you're downloading, please be sure to download our telephone app. It's all free of charge. Now, before I introduce tonight's guest, I do want to thank all of you who've taken time to write me and to let me know how much you enjoy our content, that you're giving me words of support. You're even making suggestions for future guests, and I may not always be able to respond to everybody, but I do want you to know how much your words of encouragement mean to me. I thank you, and I send all of you much love. Now, Tonight, our special guest is Barbara Lamb. She's a regression therapist, a researcher, and an author. She has regressed thousands of people to experience their past lives or to paranormal experiences, including visits with extraterrestrial beings or to incidences in this life, which they're really curious about. She also is highly sought after speaker as uh, one of the top speakers during conferences, workshops, and interviews. So tonight it is my honor and my pleasure to welcome the beautiful Miss Barbara Lamb, and she is one of the co-founders of the Galactic Alliance. So welcome, Barbara. Thank you. Wonderful introduction. So happy to have you here with us. I really appreciate your taking the time to, to come and chat. I know everybody is excited to hear what you have to share with us tonight. Oh, that's great. Well, I love to share about this too. Um, I'm going to be focusing mostly on the extraterrestrial contact of part of my work, my regression work, uh, because I think that that is so incredibly important. Yeah that these contacts with the beings from outer space are happening to millions and millions of our people here on Earth. So there have been various estimates in the past about how many people are experiencing extraterrestrial contact. And I know back in about 1991 or 1992, there was a Roper poll which concluded that there were at least 5 million Americans who were having extraterrestrial encounters of various kinds. And then in uh, about 1999, there was another poll, and it, it raised the number of Americans who were having extraterrestrial contact to 8 million. And just a figure that I heard just last night, it was saying that one person in 100 to 200 people worldwide have been having extraterrestrial contact experiences. So that obviously is a lot of people. Yeah. And so many people are having these contacts and they don't know what they are. Um, they have bizarre 
unusual things happening now and then, uh, but they have no idea that it's coming from beings from out in space. Um, and some people do recognize it as beings from elsewhere like that. Um, but there are many, many people who who never even really come to grips with it or discover it until quite late in life, until maybe their 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s or 70s. I occasionally have someone come for a regression, uh, someone who is 70 years old. I've even had 80 years old people coming to finally find out what has been happening to them with these uh, bits, little teeny bits of memories that they have. And I will say right up front that that many people who have these experiences remember only a very few moments of the encounter. And um, then after that, they're just simply out of conscious awareness while the rest of the experience goes on. So you can understand that that many people just don't get it. You know, why is it that I wake up at, at night and there are orbs flying around the room? Or why is there a beam of light shining in the window from above? And why do I feel a sense of presence that somebody is there? And um, why is it that when I open my eyes and feel the presence and and look around in the room, I notice that there are unusual beings there. This is very typical for people who are having these encounters. Uh, but also they can happen in the daytime. Of uh, I have many, many people who've come to me who've said, you know, I just have been wondering for 20 years now, what happened when I was eight years old? That particular day I was riding my bicycle in the paved schoolyard with my friends, having a great time. We were popping our wheelies and doing all kinds of tricks on our bicycles. And then suddenly the next thing I knew, it went from a sunny afternoon to being completely dark and all of my friends were gone and my bicycle was just lying flat out on the paved schoolyard. What could have happened? And so they didn't see anything coming. This is very often the case. Uh, there's there's no warning for it. It's just that suddenly the craft is there, the UFO, or suddenly the being or beings, plural, are there. And they may or may not be aware of it at the time. So many people have wondered what has happened to them when they have noticed unusual markings on their bodies, like little pinprick marks in a in a real defined shape, like a straight line or little pinprick looking marks in a perfect circle or a perfect triangle or a perfect square. And they'll just wake up one morning and they'll notice it on some part of their body. They, well, how could that have gotten there? 
And then sometimes they will wake up and they'll find a perfect scooped shaped mark in their skin somewhere. It could be on almost any part of the body where there's a little extra flesh. And they wonder about that, of course. And sometimes people notice that they have unusual bruises. They're either in a perfect circle shape or they might be triangular bruises. And they they know, especially if they're on their back, you know, maybe somebody, uh, their partner might notice an unusual marking on the back. And the person thinks, I didn't do <clears throat> I didn't do that. I don't know how that got there. I have no idea. So anyway, there are many reasons, including missing time experiences, why people wonder, hmm, what's going on? And there are so many cases of that that have come to me. And a person can be taken uh, from their bed at night. That's a very typical way. But I realize they can be taken in just about any situation, even situations where there are plenty of other people present at the time. So the beings come and they have so many remarkable abilities, certainly remarkable from our point of view, and they can make a whole group of people suddenly sort of frozen that is just stopped in mid-action, whatever they were doing. And, and that sense of being sort of turned off, switched off, um, is uh, happening for the whole duration of the experience for the one person among that group of people who are taken. So I've uh, worked with people who have been taken from a party situation, another one from a big insurance company situation. Everybody on that floor of the company was just suddenly stopped, made unaware in mid-action, and one person was taken for the encounter experience. And then when the person was returned again, suddenly everybody on that whole big floor, there were dozens of people, everybody suddenly kind of came back into conscious awareness and were able to move. And after a while, people began saying, I thought it was two hours earlier. How did, where did the time go? So that's a very typical thing uh, when people are taken from a group of people. I even uh, worked with a woman who had been at a beach party. So there were about 20 people there, all in one group on the beach. And suddenly she was very inspired. In fact, she felt compelled to take a walk by herself way down the beach, the other end of the beach. And then the craft came and picked her up and she had her encounter experience uh, with the other people not being switched off in that case because they were far away enough, but just simply made to be unaware that this was happening to their friend 
way down at the other end of the beach. So these experiences I have found can happen in almost any situation. It seems like if it's on the schedule of those beings uh, for that person to have the encounter at a particular time, they will just do it no matter when or where. And we've all heard of implants that have been placed in people who have these experiences. And um, the implants, it certainly seems, um, allows the beings to find that person wherever that person might happen to be and in whatever situation. And the implants, by the way, um, are one of the clues to a person that he or she might be having these experiences. It usually can be felt like almost like a little BB, a little round object under the skin. I have had many people show me where their implant is, and I have felt their skin like on their wrist or their arm or wherever. And um, yeah, it is definitely detectable. We also know that Dr. Roger Lear, who is no longer with us, unfortunately, uh, took out at least 18 implants from people uh, that I know about. I happen to be fortunate enough to be present at the removal of about three of those implant removals and uh, saw them. A little object is taken out of the body. And one thing about that is that when people have had an implant removed, at least in the cases that I know about, another implant has been put in that person. So maybe it isn't terribly worthwhile uh, to have an implant removed because you'll probably just have another one put in to replace it. Um, but it has been very interesting scientific research uh, to study these implants that have been taken out. And um, usually it's a combination of materials that are in that very small object. Um, in one case back in 1991, the implant seemed to be made of different fibers. And when the fibers were analyzed, um, in a lab, um, it turned out that most of the fibers were fibers that we have here on Earth, but some of them were fibers that we do not know of on Earth. And it's the same with the metals. When they are combined in an implant, uh, some of those metals are familiar to us from Earth metals, and some of them uh, are not known to us. They seem to be coming from somewhere else. So this sort of evidence um, is very helpful in trying to understand and know about this whole phenomenon of extraterrestrial contact. Well, I want to say that there are many different kinds of extraterrestrial beings who come here and interact with humans. And they seem to be coming for many different purposes. 
Some of the beings seem to be what we would consider more self-serving. In other words, they don't seem to care about the person they have taken and what the effect of their actions is on the people. I'm referring particularly to the well-heard-of little gray beings who do a lot of medical checkups, medical examinations, poking and probing the person they have taken, studying the human body. They're actually um, very matter-of-fact about it. It doesn't seem like they have any concern for what the person is experiencing, which, of course, is distressing for the person. And they're not there to harm the person or cause any trouble, it seems, uh, but they are there to study us and to understand uh, the human body, which is significantly different from their extraterrestrial bodies. So people usually do not like those kinds of experiences. But sometimes, in fact, very often in a regression, uh, when I am uh, conducting the person uh, through one of those experiences, they're lying on a metal table and they're feeling kind of cold and they cannot move. So, of course, they're not happy about that. And it seems like different parts of their body, um, including their head and their brain, um, are being investigated, checked on. And in a procedure like that, uh, here we are reliving it in the regression experience to a, an event that had happened earlier in life. And so during that type of procedure, I will very often ask the person if they would like to know what the beings are doing and why. And I say, you can ask them in your mind because they're so telepathic, or you can ask them out loud with your words. Usually, the person being regressed will ask silently in their minds, and within moments, they get an answer back from one of the beings. And very often, the beings say, we are checking your body to make sure everything is okay, and we are detecting a problem, which we think you should know about. And like, for instance, maybe the person has a problem with his or her liver and has not been aware of that. And so the beings will say, we detect a problem in your liver, and we heartily recommend that when you're back on earth, you go to your medical doctor and ask him or her to check your liver because there is a problem going on there that you may not be aware of. So that turns out to be very helpful for the person. And even if they have not consciously remembered that whole encounter when they're back home again, Somehow they have it in their minds from the beings that they ought to ask their doctor to check their liver. 
And with the people I have worked on who've been warned like that, uh, and they have checked with their doctor, it turns out that the warning is genuine. In other words, they really do have a problem with the liver or whatever organ of the body that the beings have pointed out to them. So, so even that experience of being on the cold, hard medical table with his unusual beings standing around and naturally experiencing a lot of fear, uh, sometimes it turns out that that has been a very helpful procedure. They're glad that they were warned about that because now they can get on with human medical help. And it happens even more often, in my experience, that when the beings are sort of poking and probing the person and testing this and that, taking samples of hair and skin, different parts of the body, that um, they will detect something and they will go right ahead and heal it. The beings have a huge range of healing abilities. I've had so many people come to me who've had something radically wrong, seriously wrong, like a heart problem or kidney problem or skin allergy or infections here and there or no, no matter what. And the beings have gone ahead and healed it right then and there while the person is on the medical table. So there are lots of descriptions that, that I have had um, about these healings and the way that it seems to be done. Uh, usually it's done while the person is on a medical type table and there's quite bright light shining on them, although they don't see exactly where the light is coming from. And sometimes there are instruments used in the healing. Uh, a couple of people have described it like the beings are holding a long tube sort of instrument with light coming out of one end, seeming like a, a large flashlight type of object. And sometimes it's like a, a roller of light, like a rolling pin rolling up from the lower abdomen up through the middle and upper abdomen, shining with light. Must be a very special kind of light because it does the healing. Sometimes the person is absolutely encased in light, which seems to be doing the healing. One woman I worked with actually was put into a tubular sort of structure, and it seemed to be a scanning device similar to our CAT scans or our MRI scans, and then taken out of that scan, taken into another room, and was suspended in the air. She figured it was about six feet up from the floor, not supported on anything, just suspended, floating there, while the beings who were standing all around uh, were shooting laser beams, it seemed to her, uh, colored laser beams 
about the thickness of a pencil. And they were sh uh, shooting these colored laser beams from every angle of the room, from the ceiling, from the walls, from the floor, sending it right up to her body. And the extraterrestrial who was standing closest to her head in this suspended state told her that they were stopping the progression of a very severe blood disorder that she had, which, by the way, she had not been aware of. She knew she didn't feel right, but she didn't know what that dis disorder was. Anyway, they said, we cannot undo the damage that has already been done to your blood, but we are stopping the progression of it, which, of course, was very helpful to her. So actually, it was about seven years later that in an examination by her medical doctor back here on Earth, he said, well, we have tested your blood several times, and it turns out you have a rare blood disorder. The unusual thing is that it was it apparently progressed to a certain extent, but it has not progressed lately. The progression seems to have stopped, which is very unusual for this particular kind of blood disorder. So she didn't, that was way back in the 1970s that this happened, and it was in the early 1990s that she did a regression with me and found out about all of this. And more recently, I have seen her, and she has said she still is diagnosed with that blood disorder, but it has not progressed so she's doing relatively well and has been able to go on with her life. That's just one example of many I could give about people being healed by extraterrestrials. Uh, I think it's a wonderful thing, and, and they think it's a wonderful thing, too. So I'd like to say that... Um, these encounters that people have uh, seem to happen over the period of a lifetime. Whether the person has been aware of it or not, uh, these experiences happen very early in life. In fact, the earliest one that I know of and have worked with is a man who was first visited by an extraterrestrial being when he was still in his mother's womb. So that is pretty young. <laughs> you will agree. Uh, and then he had experiences when he was an infant, already out of the womb, and at various ages. It seemed like about once every year he had a being with uh, a visit with the same extraterrestrial, whom he got to be quite fond of, and the being was um, adding to that healing of his condition all the way through his life. Um, so these things are amazing, what the beings can do, 
and people are usually exceedingly grateful for the hearings. The hearings, healings even happen on a person's brain. And it sounds absolutely fantastic, but I've had three people who have come for regressions, and in the regression they found out that the beings actually operated on their heads, hmm. took the brain out of the head. It seems like, how could this possibly happen? And the person would live, but it did happen with three people. The brain was then worked on in some effective way by the beings and then put back in the head and the whole head was healed up again uh, as if nothing had happened. And in each case, those people uh, came to me because they were suspecting that they were having the visits from something unusual, but they had no idea that their head had been worked on. Uh, other people have reported that they've had their brain rewired to be advantageous. In other words, they have been given a certain psychic skills that they had not had before and given different abilities of various kinds that they had not had. And so it turns out that the, the rewiring and the brain work has been really beneficial for these people as fantastic as that sounds. Uh, so there are many, many other kinds of things that they do too. So sometimes people have the experience with the whole physical body being taken for the encounter. That seems to be very prevalent, but also sometimes um, they... My my little uh, camera thing looks like it has dimmed. Does it look like that from your point of view? You look great. Everything oh. looks good. Okay. <laughs> my little dot just got only half size. Well, anyway, uh, so sometimes they're taken physically, and sometimes they're taken simply in their astral body with their physical body left right back here on Earth where it was when the experience began. And the astral experiences are just as quote-unquote real <clears throat> as the physical experiences because the astral part of us is so much a part of us. In fact, some people claim it's the most important aspect of us. So all kinds of procedures can happen in the, to the astral body and actually, it is simultaneously affecting the physical body back here on Earth. Many of these experiences, or I would say most of these experiences, happen with a family where there are other members of the family having extraterrestrial encounters as well usually with the same extraterrestrial beings and sometimes with other kinds of beings who are extraterrestrial but not known to the one experiencer whom I get to, to know. Um, so the, the 
many of these beings seem to be very, very interested in a genetic line, and they'll follow it from generation to generation so that any one person who is having these experiences probably, if they inquire enough, will discover that a sibling might be having these experiences or a cousin or one of their parents, one of their grandparents. And if the experiencer is old enough to have his or her own children, probably at least one of those children will be having the encounters as well. So we, we know that they really like to follow certain traits that we have down through the genetic line. And so many people wonder, why me? Why am I affected in this way? Why am I taken for these encounters and all the other people I know don't seem to have this happen or have no idea what I'm talking about? So when we have done regressions to the why me question, to the source of their having these experiences, what has happened so far is that people go back to their soul state of being in which they're making plans to come into this lifetime, as we all do before we incarnate. And they are discussing various things with a committee of people, it seems to be, committee of other souls, about the important things about coming into this life and what will be their main purpose in life and where will they choose to be born and raised and which culture, which part of the world, etc., which race, uh, so that they can do the purpose that they came to do in life. And in that planning stage, shall we call it, uh, there appear one or more extraterrestrial beings who will join this discussion, and they will ask the person's soul, uh, would you be willing to uh, meet with us now and then and cooperate with us? We have things to teach you and uh, things to improve for you and things to learn from you. So the soul of the person getting ready to incarnate has agreed to that. Now, of course, as it is with all the things that <clears throat> we as a soul have agreed to before we incarnate, uh, we forget them. At least we consciously forget them. And so the person has already forgotten that he or she has made an agreement with some of these other beings to have visits with them. Uh, and yet, of course, the visits do happen because the person has agreed. And then the reason that the person, or the soul, I should say, is chosen in the first place is for a whole variety of reasons that the beings have given, including the genetic line following that, seeing how it's working out in this person, <clears throat> excuse me, 
And uh, it may also have to do with certain abilities that that person is going to have in life. Uh, paranormal experiences, psychic experiences, the ability to heal, uh, just plain intelligence, uh, flexibility of thinking and operating, uh, many different aspects that that the beings have mentioned of why this person is is special. And indeed, it does turn out more and more, that is the more and more years that I'm doing this work with more people, uh, that these people who do have these experiences so often really do have wonderful abilities. They may already be healing. They may already have telepathic abilities and don't really know it. Um, particularly, uh, it doesn't stand out to them because they've just all, always been able to know what the person they're talking to is thinking without realizing that most of us don't have that ability. <laughs> so it doesn't stand out to them. But <clears throat> they may have other kinds of abilities. They may be highly intuitive. They might be highly spiritually oriented. They might be really excellent in engineering or in any of the sciences. And some of the beings would like to work with them and find out what they know, and also to inspire them in their work, to take their work further. So there's there's a whole gift component to this with so many of the people who experience it. So, oh, there's just so much that I can say about this. But some of the beings, not all of them, but some of the species are very involved in doing a hybrid program, creating hybrid beings, partly extraterrestrial and partly human. And um, in some of the talks I give, I go into how they actually accomplish that with sperm and eggs and combining with their material, their genetics and implanting it into uh, the woman for about one or two months gestation, and then taking that little embryo back onto the ship, take it out of the woman back onto the ship, and raise it in a tank until birth development. And then they will raise, take the baby, the fetus, I should say, out of the tank and raise it there on the ship. So many women who have had this happen and have been pregnant for one or one and a half or two months and suddenly realize they're not pregnant, um, they are very often taken months later after the baby is mature enough to be taken out of the tank of fluid and introduced to that baby. And different women I have known and worked with have reacted in different ways uh, to being presented with that hybrid baby, uh, which they didn't even know 
they had. They had known that they were pregnant for a couple of months and then it disappeared, but they had no idea in the meantime that this baby, this fetus was being raised in a tank and then taken out of the tank and raised in the air. And uh, But anyway, some of these women just respond very favorably. I mean, they're shocked and surprised that there is a baby and it's told that it's theirs. Uh, and they're often surprised and a little bit shocked because the baby looks like a human baby mostly, but there definitely are some differences too in skin color, in eyes, in some of the facial features being a little smaller than ours, except for the eyes. So, But some of them respond really favorably and just want to hold and nurture that baby and feel immediate love. Some are more hesitant when they see the beings are more confused, maybe even a bit traumatized, like, I didn't know I had this baby. How can this be mine? It kind of looks like me, but it's really different looking too. And some um, just really don't want anything to do with that baby at all. But with the ones who respond very favorably, very often they have said to me, I just wish that I could bring that baby back to earth and raise that baby myself, because I have so much love for the baby. I mean, that is, you know, a very favorable reaction, obviously. Uh, but no matter how the parent, uh, the mother or father, because fathers are taken to meet their babies too, although it seems usually they don't meet them until that baby is at least a toddler not not a newborn. But anyway, um, mothers and fathers can be taken repeatedly over the years as that child is growing up. And um, I knew a woman in Texas years ago who had a 19-year-old daughter, hybrid daughter, living on the ship. And she always really appreciated the daughter and drew a wonderful picture of her. Um, and she, indeed, she looked partly human and partly other than human. So these hybrids who were born on the ship uh, usually remain living on the ship because they're not human enough in proportion to actually be able to live here on Earth. Uh, so they spend their lives on the ships. And many people who are taken onto a ship will notice that among the group of beings, there might be some beings a little further away in whatever room they're in on the ship. Uh, but these beings at first might impress the experiencer as being a human being. But if they look more closely, they realize, oh, well, no, that one isn't quite a human being. So that probably is one of the hybrids that, that they're looking at. Um, 
So many people in these regressions are taken onto the ship and um, seen the hybrid children in in different kinds of ways. I've had a few situations where the woman has been taken into a room on the ship where there's a whole room full of hybrid children of various ages. And there are adult extraterrestrials there too. And very often they're teaching these hybrid children various things. So it seems almost like a, a school situation, although the hybrids are usually sitting on the floor, um, but they're interacting. And um, so some of the mothers of these hybrid children, you know, are very pleased to see that they're being cared for and they're being educated and treated well. They look like they're dressed decently and uh, look seem to be healthy, although their skin is often paler or more of a grayish tone, depending on who the extraterrestrials are who contributed their genetics. Um, but uh, many people have reported on seeing uh, their babies and their kids as they grow older. Some people uh, actually develop like an ongoing relationship with their hybrid children and give them names and uh, would love to give them presents and find out their birthday. Uh, that is when the baby has been taken from the gestation tank on the ship. And um, <clears throat> some people I know will write birthday cards to them, hoping that somehow they'll be delivered, but they don't know how to address them. Um, or they'll even buy presents uh, for their hybrid children because they they feel so fondly toward them so much like that. So anyway, those hybrids will probably forever be on the ship or maybe on the planet of the beings who helped to create them. And by the way, it seems like many races of extraterrestrials are doing hybridization. It's not just the little gray beings that we hear so much about, but I know that some of the reptilian species uh, create hybrids. And they're very sturdy looking, very strong looking hybrid, even when they're very little children. And again, we don't think that they are able to live on Earth, but occasionally somebody will see them on the craft. Uh, so many, many different types throughout the universe, uh, I have been told, uh, do this crossbreeding. So not only creating hybrids with us, but some of the species of beings create hybrids with other extraterrestrial species as well. And that apparently, that whole thing about genes and genetics and combining them is really a big feature going on in the cosmos. It's not just with us humans. And many reasons have been given to some of my experiencers about creating hybrids. Uh, like, why would they do that? 
well, several different species in several different people's experiences have said that their species of extraterrestrial is in danger of becoming extinct. And so, and they give reasons for that depending on the group, but they would like to combine with human genetics to create a hybrid that will continue to live, continue uh, to live. So that means that their race, which might be going extinct, will continue in this particular way by being combined with humans. And also, it's been said by a couple of these groups that the human race will continue if catastrophes happen large enough here to end the human race. That's a pretty sobering thought and a pretty interesting thought that maybe some aspects of us can continue if disaster happens, which of course I hope it won't. Um, but that that is a big thing about the extinction of species. And some of them, these uh, extraterrestrials have said, they do hybridization for other reasons. Uh, for instance, to create beings that would be able to be go-betweens or ambassadors between Earth and their planet because the hybrid would understand humans to some extent and be able to be here sometimes and would understand them and be able to be on their planet some of the time because they have this mixture in them. And some of them have said things like, we would like to have the capacity for emotion like you humans have. And we're very effective. We're very, well, what we would call matter of fact. Uh, we're more serious. We're more focused. In many ways, we're more effective in, in what we do, the work that we do. But we lack the color of emotion that you humans have. And we lack the arts, uh, all of the different arts that we have, uh, music, painting, sculpture, arts, ceramics of all kinds, um, that we would like to add that to our lives because we don't have anything like that. Uh, so anyway, there have been about 15 different reasons why beings have done this genetic work to create the hybrids. And I won't take the time to mention all of them at this point. So then there's another type of hybrids, and that is the hybrids who live here on Earth with us. And they are born here. I know some of them. Some of you might know some of them. They're wonderful, wonderful people. So what happens in a situation like that is that an embryo is created by the beings from having taken the eggs from a woman and sperm from a man. 
Very often it's the husband and wife in the same marriage, and they have taken that material and mixed it with their genetic material, combining an embryo, so male, female, human, and partly extraterrestrial. And then that little embryo will be implanted in the woman's womb. Usually she would not be aware of that happening and will grow in the, the womb for a couple of months. And in this case, that embryo is allowed to stay in the womb full term and to be born. So the hybrid is born here in a family with a regular mother and father and will grow up in that family along with the rest of us human beings. Another way of creating a hybrid is that the mother will already be pregnant, maybe about five or six months along in the pregnancy, and she is taken by the beings, and they will inject her through the wall of the abdomen and the wall of the uterus, inject her with extraterrestrial genetics, injecting it right through into the growing fetus. And so when that fetus is born, it is already hybridized. So I've written, co-written a whole book about these kinds of hybrids living with us on Earth with Miguel Mendonca, a wonderful researcher and author from England. The book is called Meet the Hybrids. And I like the subtitle. It's The Lives and Missions of E.T. Ambassadors on Earth. Isn't that a wonderful thought? <laughs> to me, it's very inspiring. And these hybrids living with us, uh, they look like us. They, they definitely look like regular human beings. No difficulty with that. But they've all felt from their earliest days, that they were not part of the family that they were born into. They all express feeling like their real family is out in space, and they miss that real family. And very often they go out, even when they're very young, go outside at night and look up at the sky and say, why don't you come for me? You're my real family. I miss you. And they will have a whole lifetime of frequent visits from their space family, the extraterrestrials whose genetics they have, so that they really want these visits and enjoy these visits, are happy to have these visits, and they continue to feel like that group of beings is their true family, their real family, even though they may have a perfectly good family that they're growing up with, their human family. So these hybrids from a very early age all expressed having special abilities, paranormal abilities, psychic abilities, healing abilities, telepathic abilities, 
uh, many of the abilities that most of us don't have, or at least we're not aware that we have. Uh, so they use that they see auras around people. They go into a room and they know immediately who has a stomach ache or who has a headache or whatever the infirmity is. Um, so they're really very talented in those ways. And basically, to make a long story short, uh, they're here to serve. They are here to help to raise the consciousness of humanity and help us to prepare for two major things, to prepare us for the ascension process and to help to prepare us as a worldwide community of beings for being accepted into the Galactic Federation. It has been said by many of these beings that we will not be invited into the Galactic Federation until we really stop our warring, our warfare, our nuclear gathering, our greed, our crime, our murders, our violence. So we have a long way to go, in in my opinion. But they so many of these beings would really like planet Earth and our population to be able to be part of that great galactic federation because there are planets from all over which belong to that. Not all the planets, because not all the the societies are advanced enough or moral enough, ethical enough to deserve belonging to it. But they do a lot of uh, regulating of societies, uh, extraterrestrial societies and planets and so forth. And it's a very worthy organization to be part of. But we certainly don't deliver that uh, or deserve that at this point. So some people actually have the experience of going to council meetings, not necessarily the great galactic federation, but there are many other extraterrestrial councils that meet with beings from various planets. So I've had several uh, regressions where people have described being in one of these council meetings. Uh, the first one I regressed to a council meeting, and that was back in the mid-1990s. Um, she described it as a group of about 20 extraterrestrials all sitting around a, a board meeting type of table, and they were discussing things and wanted her opinion um, about various aspects going on on planet Earth and what the intentions of humans tended to be in regard to space. And um, so that was very interesting. And then another one in the 1990s regressed to a council meeting where there were only about six members sitting around a table. 
And um, two of those beings right across the table from my client, uh, two of them were like ovals of light and sparkles. And they had a tinkling sound and they sparkled all over so much so that she could not really concentrate on what was being discussed at that council meeting. And finally, the beings excused her politely, but said, you know, we we know that uh, you are just very dazzled, taken with these two beings and can't concentrate. So we'll take you home now. And, and then another woman went to a council meeting that was absolutely enormous. And there were rows and rows in a big sort of oval amphitheater with a board table down on the, the main floor with the people leading this council. And uh, they, everybody there, the hundreds of representatives to this council, had on an identical robe with a big hood that came out a few inches past the, the face so that they couldn't just see each other unless they were right in front of each other. In other words, I think that was to not be distracting uh, because there were so many different types of beings, hundreds of them. And one of the things that they were discussing <clears throat> was about problem earth that long ago they had made a genetic error in creating human beings because they did create the quality <clears throat> that would be aggressive and eventually warlike and so forth excuse me <clears throat> and um that that had been viewed over many, many centuries as being a genetic mistake. And now the problem was, what should they do about that genetic mistake with the humans? So the, the dilemma was that there is this universal, uh, well, what do you call it, pledge to not interfere with a society, whether it's Earth or another society, non-interference. But on the other hand, there was this terrible genetic component that so many human beings had that was creating all the problems on Earth. So that was discussed. I don't think they really came to a definitive resolution about that, but that's sort of an, an ongoing issue on the part of some of those beings. Barbara, I have a quick question. With all of these phenomenal stories um, from these regressions, is there another book in the works? Well, I have written um, three books about this. I don't know about another one. <laughs> it seems like uh, time is just not allowing it, but I have plenty to say if I ever would. Uh, the first one, was Alien Experiences mm -hmm. with 25 different cases of abduction from my regression work. And they're all 
um, stories of different kinds of experiences with different kinds of beings. And they came right from the regression work I had done. And then the next book was Meet the Hybrids, about the hybrids living on Earth. I see somebody clapping. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the last one, which has just been republished, second publishing, uh, is E.T. Friends. The uh, full title is Kids Adventures with E.T. Friends in Space. And this is for children and their parents. It's actually for any age, but it presents as a children's book. Don't know if you can see that. You want and, to bring it back a little further. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is 18 different types of experiences that my clients, when they were children, had. And um, and it with uh, full drawings for each type of experience and lots of different types of beings presented in that. And the idea for that book is that uh, children, having it read to them or just reading it along with a parent or an adult, um, it will start the conversations between the parent and the child or the child and whoever is reading the book along with them. It's mostly pictures and, and short captions, uh, which are expressing those experiences the way that real children from my practice have talked about them. And, and for uh, people who are interested in ordering your books, where can they find them? Oh, thank you for that. Yes, they can go to my website, which is barbaralamregression.com. And in that website, uh, you scroll, you click on books, and then it gets you to a page where you can see there are actually four books, um, and uh, you can order them and pay through PayPal. It's very simple, and then PayPal gives me a notice to fulfill that order, which I do as soon as I can. So I mentioned four books just then, uh, because the fourth book and my first book in the year 2000 was about the crop circle phenomenon because I have been very active in following that for many years now, since 1991 also. And um, that has lots of information, beautiful pictures, and a lot of channeled material by Judith Moore, as well as all of the information that that I give in the first half of the book. Yeah, so barbaralamregression.org. Yeah. Would you be open to some questions tonight? Yes. Okay, so people get your hands up. I see that Cindy already has hers up. Hi, Cindy. Go ahead and unmute. There's, yeah, you should have no trouble doing that. 
Can you unmute? So strange. Oh, Cindy, we want Try to. it again. There you go. Yay! Finally. Okay. So good. So excited you're here, Barbara. Hi. Um, I want to know how to schedule a session because I, before I knew you were speaking, I had said to she, I had said to Sheila, you, you know, I want to schedule, I want to get a session with you. And because uh, you just popped into my head because from years ago, I remember um, <laughs> it was because of you that I got a session with um, Jacqueline and oh, good. it was either you or Jacqueline. And I went with her first and because Sheila sure. said, go in that session, that succession, go with Jacqueline first and then you. But here oh, you yeah. are. And absolutely wonderful. I yeah. couldn't agree with you more, but you were the one who introduced me to her. And uh, it was full circle. Great. Do you, do you have a question for Barbara, honey? Um, you did, how, how does how to get in touch? How to get a hold of you? Yeah. Besides the fact that you were wonderful and I have oh, both your okay. books. Okay. I had the children's book and the other one. But um, you can go to that website. BarbaraLamRegression.com, and uh, there's a place where you can write in, um, like writing an email, right, in that website, and it will get forwarded to my email, and then I can respond and get in touch with you. Okay, great, because when things pop into my head, there's a reason, <laughs> and, then, uh -huh. and then when I find out that you're speaking, like a less than a couple of days later and here you are and you were wonderful and yeah i can't wait to tell you and why that probably happened okay yeah, you're just things have happened happy to hear it beautiful yeah, looking forward to it thank you so much for speaking as usual you were wonderful i love you so much oh, thank, thank you. you cindy very nice <laughs> Hey, Bridget, if you want to check in with your folks and see if they have any questions, I'm going to Julia first. And then if you have any questions, just let me know. So, hey, Julia. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. Barbara, I've known you for a long time, but, but I don't remember if it was through Casey work or not. But what you bring up to me is I have a real strong feeling that I was in Lemuria when something happened with the Atlanteans that that messed us up. Would that be the same thing that you're talking about, that there was an error made in genetics? Well, I, I tell you, first of all, that um, I have done years and years of past life regression work also starting in 1984 and so it sounds like what you're interested in might turn out to be a past life regression okay so and that that would come up on this same uh, barbara lamb regression yes yes okay uh, tough. i would i wish i could turn my video on but Somehow now all of a sudden my Zoom video doesn't work in the last two days. <laughs> well, you see a little, I can see a little bit of it. Can you? Yes, it's oh. 
Could I That's catch <laughs> Anyway, I, I, I appreciate you. And uh, I plan to live to 120. And that's what I've always wanted to do since I was 10 years old. So what <laughs> I don't know is if I'm a walk-in or not. Um, so I will get in touch with you and we'll see how that all works. Thank you very much. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Yeah. Sheila knows I am familiar with walk-ins. Absolutely. You yes. work with this one quite a bit. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. That's a wonderful situation, which I respect so highly. Mm. Uh, people uh. being walk-ins to really help here on Earth like Sheila is. Ah, oh, thank you. Fantastic thank you. what she does. Yeah, anybody else? Let's see. I do, Barbara. Yeah. Hey, Bridget. <laughs> um, hope is, hold on, let me take one of these out. Hope is typing out a question, but Pam is asking, is there a support group? Well, I do not have one currently. Um, I have had them since the mid-1990s at some of the large UFO conferences, and I had one here in San Diego, where I am, um, for a few years, uh, every month until COVID, and then we were not allowed to meet anymore. And uh, since then, I I haven't started it up again. But there are uh, there there is there are some support groups online, which are current. Uh, one of them is with the National MUFON. Association. They have an experiencer research group, the ERT. Yeah, I think it's called Experiencer Research Group, which meets monthly online. I just spoke to their group uh, last week or so, and um, and it's run by Kathleen Marden, who is very very good and very knowledgeable, very good at this kind of work. And um, so go to the MUFON website and uh, and then click on the Experiencer Research Group. And you can probably, there you can find out details about that. So the online groups are effective too. Uh, the ones that I've done always have been in person. I had one in the home that I used to live in and had that for 17 years. And we met every month. That was really wonderful. And it was a smaller group. Uh, the largest we ever got to was 18 people. And that was purposeful. Uh, and those people all were definitely known to be experiencers of extraterrestrial contact. But no, I, I don't conduct one currently thank you so much barbara for all of that information that's amazing yeah. abby asks in your vast experience what has been your most memorable experience that may have been a surprise to learn oh well i think the the most memorable one really because i did so many regressions with that man uh was the one i mentioned that he was in his mother's womb when the 
the first experience happened. And, um, and then he met with that same being throughout his childhood. He had uh, a congenital hole in his heart. And the being knew that. The baby, of course, didn't know it, and the mother didn't know it. Uh, but anyway, the, the being came when he was in the womb and said, I am placing an invisible magnetic strip over the hole in your heart. And if I did not do this, that after birth, you would not be able to live very long. So that being kept taking this man when he was a, a, a newborn baby and year old and two years old and every year it seemed to be in his growing up experiences and even some in his adult life and with every visit the same being um, put this or he said I am refurbishing the electromagnetic strip over the hole in your heart so that man grew up to be six foot tall and broad-shouldered and athletic and uh, very hearty and did physical labor for a lot of his adult life. And uh, he never would have even lived that long if it hadn't been for this being who put this visible electromagnetic strip over the hole in his heart. And when this man was about 48 years old, uh, he it was detected by that time that he did have a heart problem. And he went to the hospital for heart surgery, open heart surgery. It just happened, fortunately, that his wife was a surgical nurse. And she got permission to be in the operating theater uh, to observe the operation of her husband, since it was such an important operation. And when the surgeon opened him up and saw the man's heart, he said, oh, this man has a hole in his heart the size of a silver dollar, and it is leaking a little bit, but I can't understand why he's alive. And so then he did whatever surgical procedure was needed and uh, the man continued to to live. But the, wasn't that a wonderful thing that that his wife got to witness the collaboration or the verification um, about the fact that this man really had the hole in his heart? So th that that whole case was very exciting. Plus the fact that um, we did many. I did many regressions with that man. And he had experiences with other types of beings mm. as well. Uh, one of them was um, a sexual experience with a reptilian female on board the ship. Uh, he was taken, as happens so often, taken to the ship and put into a private room where there was a bed. And in came this incredibly exotic, beautiful, gorgeous female looking very human. And she crawled up on the bed with him and they did what they did. And about halfway through the act, 
suddenly the screen image of her looking like a gorgeous human female, it faded away. And then he saw the woman he was having this act with was a reptilian female. So he was just horrified. And in fact, it traumatized him so much that he was not able to be sexually active with his wife for several years until we did this regression and found out where the trauma had come from. And after that, he was okay with his wife. So <laughs> a good ending to that story. Uh, but anyway, a lot of the reptilians um, do seem to have a lot of interest in having sex with uh, humans, both males and females. And it has been discovered, not by me, but by somebody else, that uh, the reptilian sex sexual apparatus is similar enough to that of humans that that's why they can get together in this way. Whereas with many other beings, it, there's no possibility of that because they don't have compatible or any apparatus. Wow, Barbara. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I love talking to you and listening to you. I have one more question. Sure. From Hope. Um, she says, I know I don't belong here on earth and don't belong in my family of origin. I've had dreams with people who understand me, love unconditionally, and accept me, and vice versa. I was told I have lived in Lemuria. How do I know whether I'm a star child, a hybrid, or something else? I've longed for my real community all my life. You know, the only way that I know of, frankly, is, is doing a regression. Uh, you know, there might be a psychic person who could tune into that and, and tell you accurately, but um, I'm not one of those people. Uh, but a regression would probably make all of that more clear. I wholeheartedly agree. And I want to say, Barbara, I have a quite I do have one more question, Sheila, sorry, and then I'll I'll okay. I'll hand it over. My question is for me personally, I do these kinds of um regressions too. And I wanna I wanna ask you just out of curiosity, are you finding a connection between the star beings that people are having experiences with? as they are their family and their friends and all of that from lives that their soul is living simultaneously. Cause that is what I'm finding in a lot of ours, um, that there's a soul connection between the beings who are taking care of the humans, so to speak, watching over them, having interactions with them that they share like a soul stream, almost like the same soul having different expressions. Are you finding things like that? Well, definitely that uh, that some people are related to those beings out there and maybe have been. In fact, this has come up quite a lot. Uh, the person I'm regressing finds that he or she has been that kind of being in a previous life. And, and therefore, the connection uh, has continued. 
that it's a very natural thing that those beings of that type would want to have contact with the human being. And the human being, once he or she finds out that uh, that he or she has been that type of being, uh, then it really opens things up wonderfully to for communication between the two of them. And I mean, it's like one great huge family that that the person often didn't know about until really looking into it. And and then it's 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 wonderful when that gets uncovered uh, because it, then there could be so much more open communication between the beings and this person. Uh, so I'm not answering every aspect of what you are saying about the simultaneous uh, living. I'm not sure about that. Uh, but uh, definitely there is already a relationship um, with some of these people and some of the beings. Oh, Barbara, I love it. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm always so tickled listening to you. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Sheila, for letting us have so much time tonight. Of course. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank you for sharing this with your Clubhouse family. I really appreciate it. So could I say I, this, another aspect that we didn't get to? I'll try to be really quick, but it's so important. And especially for this audience in particular, that um, so many of the beings and the experiences now are about raising our consciousness, raising our spiritually, preparing us for ascension and not only for the um, great galactic federation, but just raising our consciousness overall, incre increasing our spirituality. So that means that the beings who really foster that are very caring, very benevolent beings. And for the past two years now, especially, uh, these very wonderful beings have been showing up in the regressions and channeling to people, inspiring the people, giving really spiritually oriented messages. And uh, they, they really want to see humans become much more spiritually aware and spiritually oriented. And then, of course, that translates into very positive actions that these people are, are taking. So more and more regressions that I do have to do with, with that very positive motivation. So I'm getting a picture of more than ever of beings who are magnificent spiritually advanced beings. And yet we can consider them extraterrestrial. Some of them are other dimensional beings. I've had many people who've had visits with physical beings sometimes and other dimensional beings on other occasions. And those are the ones especially that want to see our spiritual development. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much for adding that. And I want to thank you so much for being here tonight. Before we close, Susie has a song for us that she has prepared. So Susie, do you want to yeah. come on up? I, uh, can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. I was going to sing this just to Barbara and to Sheila and you know, Bridget and Cindy and all of you that, and Patty, you're making such a presence here from Australia. I mean, so many people are making such a good presence. And then the more Barbara talked, I, I thought maybe we'll all sing this by Billy Preston. And I saw Patty LaBelle, Joe Cocker and Billy Preston do this in Motown a million years ago, took my breath away. But what if we sang this to the hybrids and the ETs that we're wanting to meet? Okay, that's what we're doing, okay? That's good. You are so beautiful to me. You are so beautiful to me. Can't you see that everything that I hope for? You are everything I need. Are so beautiful to me. You are so beautiful to me. You are so beautiful to me. Can you not see? You're everything that I hope for. You so beautiful to me mm, thank you so much Susie thank you thank you, you thank you so beautiful and so are the hybrids and these ETs we're all pretty beautiful you know we just got to get the good eyes to see it <laughs> thank there you, Barbara. you go Yay. Thank Great you. Choice. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Barbara, I want to thank you so much for being here tonight and being our speaker. It's always an honor and a privilege to have you here. We love it every time that you come. And I want to remind people that you can find Barbara and her books at barbaralamregressions.com. Com. So, or regression.com. No S. I said an S there. Barbaralandregression.com. And used so, have, used to have an S, but it doesn't anymore. <laughs> that's it, okay. S. <laughs> yeah. We all know how that goes. <laughs> so, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your being here. It's, it's always an absolute delight to have you and really I want to thank you for everything that you've done you you know you've served as a trailblazer for so many people and you've been out waving the flag and you know holding strong the path so I want to thank you so much and I wanted to ask if you have any final closing remarks before we close yes we'll just keep opening to the wonders that are going on in space. There's so much negative stuff going on here on Earth, but there are so many beings out there 
who care about this, who care about the earth and care about humanity and are really, really here to help us. And they also know that we have to help ourselves. They're not going to do it for us. Beautiful. Thank you so much again. And I want to thank each of you for joining us in tonight's Explorations with Barbara Lamb. And again, you can find her book at barbaralamregression.com. I think she has four books there that you can check out. So until we are all back together again next time, stay curious and may the mysteries of the cosmos continue to illuminate your path. So much love, everyone, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Have a beautiful evening. Namaste, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.